The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. I don't feel safe in this town now. You took it away from me. You took us away from this. You seem like a sincere man. I'm not calling you names. I'm not, you know, but your company stinks because they're not watching what's going on. I came home the other day. I put the garage door up. I got pulled, we pulled in the garage, got out of the car, put the garage down. As soon as we got out of that car, the smell came back to us right away. Instant headache. Now, I'm 65 years old, a diabetic, AFib hearts, heart disease, everything. Now, did you shorten my life now? I want to retire and enjoy it. How are we going to enjoy it? You, you burned me. We were going to sell our house. Our value went poof. That's uh, a CNN town hall last night with the CEO of uh, Norfolk Southern, the train company. Of course, the train derailed um, just outside of East Palestine, Ohio, three weeks ago. And you still have uh, victims, people like this. There was a big hearing uh, yesterday in Pennsylvania, near the Pennsylvania-Ohio border. State lawmakers there that are just giving voice to people who are really suffering, who are suffering because of this disastrous, this, this environmental disaster of epic proportions. The store, I, mean, I know we've covered it a lot this week, but the reason I, I feel like it is so significant is in a lot of ways it's a, kind of a microcosm of just about the way, of course, he's not addressing um, a government official there. That's, the, as I say, the CEO of the train company. But when you think about the, the approach, the, the media, the, all the Marxist radicals that are there telling you, lying to you, everything's fine, everything, everything's good. Never mind the plume of smoke, never mind the dumpster fire, never mind the disaster that you can see. Just believe us, everything's good. And, and then, and, and this plays out over and over again with just about every storyline, to the extent that they can admit that there is a problem, we'll blame Trump. It's an easy out, right? Everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. And if there are some problems, well, it's just, it's just Trump's fault. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on the last show of the week. We're at Friday's program already. You can get to the live stream of this show at uh, the URL trumpetdaily.com. Just type that into your browser, trumpetdaily.com. And you get a nice banner that tells you, here's where the live stream is every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. So, as I say, you have people suffering. The suffering is real. This is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It says, residents who live near the Pennsylvania-Ohio border, um, close to this month's catastrophic train derailment, told lawmakers horror stories Thursday of skin rashes, headaches, sick animals, and an overwhelming sense of helplessness. Helplessness. Nobody's there to help them. We've got $113 billion for Ukraine, but nothing, 
nothing for these people. And then if Donald Trump goes in there and gives them a little bit of something, well, mock Donald Trump. Just, just make fun of him. And, and then also say he's the one that caused the, the train derailment. Okay. It says here, the whole sky was black. One resident says from Beaver County, recalling the release of toxic chemicals that followed the derailment. It says, and then you get this chemical smell in the house. Ultimately, said Miss Kimmer, a mother of four, everyone had a headache and uh, didn't feel well and was sick to their stomach. So people are sick. And who knows, like this resident there said in that town hall, if they're going to be dying early because of it. And then where is the leadership? Where's the government? The, the ones that are going there are saying, everything's fine. The water's fine. The air's fine. Just get back to living. Home prices, of course, are worthless now. No, who, who's going to want to move there? So these people, they're trapped. They're trapped. And no one's there to help. And, and then meanwhile, you've got the clown show that just goes on on a daily basis. These radicals that have control of all the levers of power in government. And some of the stuff they're really interested in. It's just bizarre and crazy. Listen to this montage we put together, clip one. Will you all please stand as she enters the room? <laughs> you can clap. It's okay. <laughs> the list of family to me, I said, my divine nine family. And there were people looking at each other, what's divine nine? And I thought to myself, you about to find out. <laughs> But there you go. Okay, so today, as you all saw just an hour or so ago, President Obama announced that, pardon me, President Biden. Whoa! The cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. 40% of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the presidents are openly LGBTQ+. So again, this is something that the president prides himself on. I mean, the trip that President Biden took to Kiev, as many of you reported on, was uh, historic. It was brave. Many of you talked about how we heard the, the sirens wailing. So I guess I'm just struggling to understand why the president wouldn't go to East Palestine. It does it simply not meet the bar for a presidential visit? Look, I don't, I, I, it, it, I want to be very clear here. Um, there's no reason to struggle, I don't think, on this question. In retrospect, should you have come a little sooner? So, again, uh, in terms of the timing of the visit, I'm trying to strike the right balance, uh, allowing NTSB to play its role, but making sure we're here in that show. That's why we've been here from the first hours of the incident as an administration, uh, when it comes to that misinformation. Did Norfolk, sir? So I think, so I lost my train of thought. Um, he lost his train of thought. I mean, that pretty, pretty well describes the last three weeks of this administration, at least with respect to what might be the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history. And, 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 and you listen to them and you think, I'm not sure what divine nine is, but it's LGBTQ and then it's Ukraine. That's it. That's it. These are the most important, these are the most important items on the to-do list, for sure. 
And everything else in the world, everything else in this nation is just perfect. It's, it's all working out perfectly. They lie. They lie. And then when they do accept any, any, any if they even accept that there's a problem, as I say, they're going to pin it on the bad, the bad orange man. Listen to this report coming from uh, the, the southern border of the United States. This is down around Arizona. We read this story, or at least got into this, uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe, uh, about hospitals down there that are being overrun by migrants, so much so that they can't even, they can't even attend to the needs of ordinary citizens, actual legal citizens of the United States. This is clip seven who need months of care on dialysis with damaged kidneys for dehydration and being out in the desert. And they say as a result of all of this, some of their local patients, local residents, U.S. citizens have had to delay their care. Take a listen. We've had that experience with patients who've had to delay elective surgery because other urgent migrant um, uh, patients have come in who needed emergent surgery. We've had to delay um, maternity patients with planned inductions because we've simply been out of space in our maternity unit with migrant patients who've had uh, deliveries. Yeah, they're prior prioritizing migrants over uh, American citizens. And in the same way, it's it's really playing out the same way in in eastern ohio these people that need care that need concern that need some uh, someone to come in there and to help them meanwhile if you were if they comment on the border you've got kjp and others saying how perfect it is this is clip 9 so what you're seeing from the Department of Homeland Security is they are using the tools that, that is being presented to them uh, so that we can deal with this, with this situation and do it in a safe and order, orderly and humane way. And that's what we're doing here. Safe, orderly, humane. That's uh, how she sees the uh, work there at the southern border. As migrants are flooding into the nation, filling up hospitals and, uh, and making it more difficult for actual citizens, legal citizens, to get care and service. Meanwhile, listen to all the talking heads. They're more interested in blaming Donald Trump than they are in actually finding out what led up to or what caused the train crash and why the government would unleash this so-called controlled burn when really there was nothing controlled about it. It was a massive explosion. And everyone saw it. You know that guy at the town hall, he said to the CEO of Norfolk Southern, he said, look, we're being treated like we're a bunch of dummies, the, the people of East Palestine, and we're not dumb. We're smart. We, we can see what's happening. We can see that we're being ignored. We can see that we're being lied to. Listen to these liars go on and on and on about Trump, Donald Trump being the problem, clip two. And what do you think of the former president visiting there tomorrow? Look, I don't know exactly what he's planning to do there, especially since his administration was anti-regulation and pro-industry every step of the way. Today, Trump visited the scene of the disaster that he helped create, visiting the deregulated world called Ohio. 
Buttigieg said it was Trump administ- Trump's administration that deregulated railroad safety, including suspending a requirement that trains carrying flammable, flammable liquids be outfitted with faster brakes. I say all the Republicans who are attacking Joe Biden's response, they've been pushing dereg- one deregulation after another deregulation after another deregulation, even deregulations that seem to line up that could have prevented this crash possibly. He placed someone with deep ties to the chemical industry in charge of the EPA's chemical Chemical Safety Office. That's who you voted for in that district. Donald Trump, who reduces all safety. He yeah. did. Do in they those showed days. up at McDonald's? I think, I think this is community. Donald Trump's fault. It sounds like you're talking about Trump. And then you said, I need your help. How can he help? Well, one thing he could do is uh, uh, express support for reversing the deregulation uh, that uh, happened on his watch. For this investigation and for this derailment, ECP breaks would not have prevented the derailment. The wheel bearing failed on car number 23. So even with ECP brakes, the derailment would have occurred, the fire would have ensued, and the five vinyl chloride tank cars would still have to be vented and burned. The last lady there, she's the rep for the NTSB, who, by the way, that's underneath, that's underneath Pete Buttigieg's transformation department. He's the transformation secretary. And so here's here's his rap. Basically, this is the woman that went in there and investigated it and basically said, you know, if you have any kind of emergency brakes on this train, it wouldn't have stopped this this tragedy from happening. It was the the wheel bearing on the 23rd car and then all of the chemicals that were in and around the 23rd car and the fire, the derailment, the crash. I'll play a clip from her in just a little bit, but listen to these talking heads go on and on and on and try to say Trump. Buttigieg has been in there for two years and has been talking openly about how there's so many derailments, a thousand per year, three per day, and he's had two years and they've done nothing and the best that they have is Trump. I mean, the world would be so much better if it, if it just wasn't for Donald Trump. If we could just get rid of Donald Trump, and he's out of office. If we could, maybe if we could put him in prison. But look at the deregul- deregulation, deregul- deregulation, as if Trump is to blame for this. The people of Palestine ignored and lied to. That's the scandal here. These are not stupid people. They see what's happening. They see they're being ignored and neglected. They see the tens of billions that are going overseas for pensions of, of Ukrainian oligarchs. They see the migrants streaming across the border, filling up our hospitals. As I say, what you see in eastern Ohio, it's, it's just like a, it, it illustrates everything that we're seeing play out, almost everything. The nonstop lies, <laughs> the nonstop lies. These are not reporters. I mean, they're one and the same, whether it's the talking heads or Pete Buttigieg, the representatives of the government, it's one and the same. And then you get the lady there at the end. No one cares. No, she comes out with the report. She says, look, the emergency brakes would have done nothing. So the deregulation, is, it didn't factor into this, as if Trump's the only one who's ever done that. But you're not going to get honest coverage. Listen, listen to this woman. Uh, she, again, she's the National Transportation Safety Board, or at least she's the, the gal heading it up. This is her from yesterday, clip four. It was the combination of the hot axle and the plastic pellets which started 
the initial fire. And during this deceleration, the wheel bearing failed. Car number 23 derailed, and the train initiated an emergency brake application and came to a stop. Now in total, 38 cars derailed, and a fire ensued which damaged an additional 12 cars. She didn't even blame any of it on uh, human error. She said that the, they got an alert, the car was overheating, the, the train was decelerating, it was already slowing down, but the wheel bearing, it blew up. The derailing happened. And then you've got the, the contaminants, the, the chemicals spilling all over the place, and then within days, couple, three days, they come in and they blow it up, basically. Again, that's... that's scandalous in and of itself if it ends up if it ends up hurting more people because it's spread it all over the place this is from uh, Sundance there were three locomotives 149 rail cars before the train derailed a crew received a warning telling them to immediately slow down stop the train conduct an inspection and those that were on board I guess there were three people they were in the midst of doing that then the derailment happened. 38 cars derailed, and fire damaged an additional 12 cars. Five tanker cars carrying 115,000 gallons of vinyl chloride were part of the group that derailed. It says here, the initial fire was the result of the hot axle and the plastic pellets in the rail car. It says, according to this woman that you just heard there, there was no evidence the three-person train crew did anything wrong. She said the NTSB so far hasn't identified any operational issues with the defect detectors on railroad tracks. So the investigation, I suppose, continues. But how do you explain officials coming in within 24 hours saying everything's fine? How do you explain the fact that Joe Biden and his, his uh, team have been nowhere to be found. Well, Buttigieg makes an appearance yesterday morning, uh, briefly, comes in early, 7 a.m., the day after Donald Trump was there. As, as Trump himself pointed out the other day, it takes him to actually go and initiate some, at least some kind of action or at least communication. Here it's happening right at, right at home, and it's just ignored. The big week, listen to the talking heads. They have to ignore that Trump went there, as I said yesterday, because you can't, you can't get it. This is how politicized they are, even at Fox News. I mean, Fox News is part of the cover-up. People suffering because of a chemical spill or a chemical explosion? This is a massive story. And all they can really do is say, well, Trump is to blame. I've had this story. I haven't been able to get into it, but... They're looking into uh, investigation, or rather investigating the uh, election integrity in Canada because basically the Chinese have bragged about meddling into Canadian elections. This is from CTV. It says, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Canadian voters alone decided the last federal election as he played down a report Friday that China tried to unduly sway the outcome. Yeah, you gotta play. if you're in charge, you play it down or you call him an election denier. I just, Sam showed me this clip this morning. All these celebrities in 2017 going on and on about how Russia meddled in the 2016 election and that's how Donald Trump won. So all of them, election deniers, all of them just waxing eloquent about the hoax. The hoax. 
says here, the Toronto-based Globe and Mail newspaper, citing classified Canadian security intelligence service records, said China worked to help ensure a liberal minority victory in the 2021 general election, as well as defeat conservative politicians considered unfriendly to Beijing. It says the story said the spy service quoted one Chinese diplomat as saying, Beijing likes it when Canadian political parties are fighting with each other, whereas if one has a majority, the party in power can easily implement policies that do not favor China. So the Chinese, the Chinese, according to this classified Canadian security intelligence report, they're just openly bragging, yeah, this is what we need in the Canadian government. But then, then listen to this. This is from the National uh, Post. The, there's this report. The liberals have the control. And so how do they react to this? This is from the National Post. It says, a liberal MP accused conservatives of using Trump-type tactics. Ah, yes. <laughs> Even to the north of our border. Trump! The world would be so much better. If it just wasn't for Donald Trump, they're using Trump-like tactics in questioning past election results amid new reports of Chinese interference in the 2021 election during a committee meeting ta uh, tasked with examining the issue on Tuesday. I mean, you can't even really examine it. Otherwise, you're, you're using Trump-like tactics. You can't even call it into question. Just blot it out. Just blotted out. Tucker last night had a, a lengthy segment on all of the money going into Ukraine. I think last year, just in that year alone, $113 billion. And in his segment, he just talked about, you know, how that money could be spent. I mean, if you were to spend it on something else, this is what it would fund. This is what it would support. Listen to this from his show last evening, clip five. And leaving aside the aims, that's still $10 billion more in tax dollars. That's on top of the $113 billion that Congress has already approved. That's $123 billion pledged to Ukraine in a year. And then once you add a thousand other off-the-book sources of aid, the entire intel world, you're looking at perhaps $200 billion to Zelensky and his wife in 12 months. $200 billion. It's truly crazy. How much money is that? Well, to make it easier, let's pretend we'd only spent $100 billion in Ukraine so far. We know we have. What can we do with $100 billion here in the United States? Well, for one thing, and this is kind of in the news recently, we could modernize our rail system to avoid the thousand derailments we have every year and the mushroom clouds over Ohio that sometimes result from them. $100 billion is more than five times the entire discretionary budget of the Department of Transportation. There's just $13 billion in the DOT's budget for transit and less than $3 billion for Amtrak. Remember that? The artery that connects the cities on the East Coast? Then there's the FAA. That's the government agency that's supposed to prevent planes from crashing into each other and killing hundreds of Americans. The FAA got $20 billion in the last budget. $20 billion. So given that planes seem to be coming very close to hitting each other lately, it might be worth funding the FAA a little more. Oh, but no, Zelensky's political party needs it. And then, of course, with that money, we could do things that matter long term, like building a wall along our southern border. We could build four of them for that. That would save, in addition to a lot of other things, hundreds of thousands of American lives by blocking drug traffickers from entering the country. And then you wouldn't have a cartel war in Texas and Arizona, which we're absolutely going to get. With $100 billion, we could pay off half the medical debt in the entire country. We could pay for two years of community college tuition for every young person in the United States.
We could fund all out-of-pocket expenses for cancer patients for five years. That's a lot of money we could do a lot with it. Why isn't Bernie Sanders doing the math on this? Why isn't he even talking about it? Why is it left to some right-wing TV show to figure out what could be done with that money domestically? Bernie Sanders is all for sending that money to Ukraine. And it turns out most so-called progressives are. Sandy Cortez, voice of the people, she's for it too. It's fascinating. Of course, we could also just keep the money. That'd be useful. We need it. Our national debt is now over $31 trillion. It's bigger than our GDP. Our debt is bigger than our GDP. $31 trillion. And there's no, no stopping the spending spree. It, it continues. $200 billion, as he notes, is, is obviously a lot in and of itself and could fund all of these agencies many times over. In the case of the FAA or the, the, the rail system, the transportation agency. They, but they're going on about Donald Trump and a deregulation of some kind. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're just spewing nonsense. And it fits, it fits the narrative just like every other narrative that they've created. We talked, we've talked this week about this, this push all in with Ukraine, in it, in it for the long haul, as long as it takes, and making statements about uh, regime change, change in Moscow. We've, we've pointed out how that this is uh, just driving Russia and China more closely together, just as they're prophesied. They're prophesied to come together in this uh, super Asian conglomerate that's going to produce an army of, of tens of millions of soldiers. This is from and the other point I think we've made this week, too, is just how our, our strength is being spent in vain. This article by uh, Andrew Roberts, this is regarding the U.K. U.K., of course, is helping to fund Zelensky's efforts in Ukraine as well. It says here, it's morally right and strategically sound for us to assist in a Russian defeat in Ukraine. Okay, so we know where Andrew Roberts stands. Most commentators agree with this. Most politicians on the right and left side of the aisle. Let's push back against Putin's advance. It says, but the British Army must be restocked with replacements for the huge amounts of equipment it has sent there. This is Andrew Roberts, the famous historian, basically saying how Britain is sending all of its weaponry to Ukraine, and it's completely depleting its own supply. You could say the same about the United States. Of course, our military is much bigger, but still, we're spending our strength in vain. That's right. We're driving Russia and China more closely together. That's Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Same with spending our strength in vain. That's Leviticus 26 and verse 20. Mr. Armstrong discusses that in the United States and Britain in prophecy. If you don't have that text, make sure you call our operators today. The 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. The United States and Britain in prophecy. This one, of course, America under attack. When you think about what $200 billion would do, for the southern border, for eastern Ohio, for the rail system, for the FAA, whatever. Whatever. And yet, none of that, none of that is, is getting attention. All of it's neglected. And yet, we're spending money by the trillions. We're up to, what, $31 trillion now? 
Listen to Tucker again from last night, clip six. In just the last 27 months, the Biden administration has increased the national debt by $7 trillion. How much is that? I mean, it's an incomprehensible number, but here's the context. It took 215 years from George Washington to George W. Bush to accrue that much debt. Interest payments on that debt have hit more than $400 billion this year. So according to calculations by Pew, that's $100 billion more per year than we spent on elementary and secondary education, disaster relief, agriculture, and environmental protection combined. Within the next decade, interest costs on the debt will be greater than spending on national defense and Medicaid. Within 30 years, interest payments will be the single largest expenditure in the entire federal budget. If time were to go on long enough, I mean, we'd just be paying interest. That's, that's, that's what we would be paying, paying off our debt, $31 trillion. You, you would think, like Tucker said in the previous clip, that more people in Washington would at least be doing the math. Where is this leading? What, what, what's this going to do for future generations? If time were to go on long enough, we know that it won't. Christ's return is imminent. But if this were to go on, look at how much we've added just in a couple years' time. This is from that Andrew Roberts piece. He says, it's situations like this that Ben Wallace had in mind when he recently admitted the British Army has been hollowed out and underfunded in recent years. We're hollowing out the Army. We're hollowing out our military on this crusade to save Zelensky and his wife, as Tucker said there. Hollowing out our own military. I mean, Germany... <laughs> Rush all of the, the main players in Bible prophecy. They, they just must, must be sitting back behind closed doors, rubbing their hands together, big grin on their faces. I can't believe these nations, our enemies, our traditional enemies, the United States and Britain. I can't believe what they're doing to themselves. Here's the U.S. and Britain leading the way, funding this operation and driving Russia closer and closer to the, the hordes in the Chinese and the Asian, South, South, Southeast Asian nations that are going to come together. They're prophesied to come together. I mean, this is, the, this is just the beginning of what Jesus described in, uh, in Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows. You can see where it's leading, and you can see it's certainly leading to the death of our nations. That's what we're witnessing here. I mean, America is collapsing fast. This is bitter affliction, as it says in 2 Kings 14. You add to it all of these, these strange events, these, these curses, really. These attacks on a smaller level that don't get much news coverage. This, uh, this uranium fire that broke out in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. That happened this week. Here's a quote from ABC6. A fire on one of the nation's enriched uranium processing facilities. Then you've got these other stories of small planes that are, they just seem to keep crashing into warehouses or factories, plants of some kind. This one here, it says, five people died when a small airplane crashed near a Little Rock factory on Wednesday. I think I might have touched on a couple of these stories just the other day. I didn't get to this one, though. CNN. It says here, a cyber attack earlier this month forced producer giant Dole to temporarily shut down production plants in North America and halt food shipments to grocery stores, according to a company memo about the incident obtained by CNN. 
So this was brought on by a cyber attack. The, the food processor called Dole had to shut, shut down their operations. Yet another attack. America's under attack. America's sick top to bottom. And yet you listen to the leadership and, you know, when they talk about Donald Trump, I mean, it's historically bad and evil. And then they talk about everything that they're doing. And I mean, it's historic in, in the positive sense. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's never been better. Listen to these talking heads go on and on about the, and it is, we'll have to admit, these are historic gains for the Marxist radicals who are in power. It's all part of the fundamental transformation. It's all going according to plan. Listen to this one, though, clip three. Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history. Is the first seditious president in the, in the history of the United States. Clarence Thomas is arguably, with his wife, the most corrupt justice in American history. And it's going to be a historic cabinet. Already there are more people of color in this cabinet than any cabinet in the history of the United States. It's a speech that will make history on a day that makes history. And you're elected the highest ranking black Indian with Indian background woman in American history. We made the largest investment to combat the climate crisis in history. Uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. We've got more people working today than ever uh, in the history of the American economy. This year, this quarter's earnings were the highest ever in the history of Pfizer. Cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. The, the speaker has been uh, truly the most uh, impressive, incredible, and productive speaker in our history. In fact, I don't think that's ever been done before in American political history before, actually. The historic uh, and life-changing economic gains that we have seen uh, this country has made over the last 18 months. They right. kind of defied history there. I think we'll go down in history. Uh, never before in American history. This is an historic day. This is a day that is going to loom very large in American history. I think it's a historic day. This is historic. They are performing an historic service to our nation. Historic manufacturing boom here in America. So I think it's historic. Historic. It was historic. This is a historic piece of legislation. Make a historic recovery. The historic economic progress we've made. I believe this is actually a historic day. More jobs than ever been created in the first four months of any presidency in modern history. This is progress, historic progress. Historic investments. In this historic moment and historic transition we are in a historic uh, uh, place in history uh. name me a president in recent history has gotten as much done as I have in the first two years I think uh, it's not an exaggeration to say historic not an exaggeration at all meanwhile you've got explosions you've got plumes of smoke figuratively speaking and literally happening all over the place all over the place and these people are so proud of themselves. This is historic, they all say. What we're doing is historic. And as I say, you do have to, you do have to acknowledge that Barack Obama's fundamental transformation, I mean, it's picking up speed. It's accelerating. You, you heard the French lady say there in the opening montage, or the one we played earlier anyway, she mistakenly said President Obama Obama's been out of office for how long? Seven years? 
and they're still mistakenly saying the silent part out loud, they know. They know who's running the government. They know. They know who's establishing the, uh, the to-do list for Joe Biden. They know who's in charge of Joe Biden's day-by-day operations. This is from PJ Media. It could be, speaking of the French lady, it could be that she just had the kind of airy moment that she has hundreds of times at every press briefing and got it wrong. Or it could reflect what everyone who pays attention knows, whether they admit it consciously or in the case of the liberal class not. President Biden is not in charge of anything, not even his own schedule. Something or someone is, and absent satisfying answers, the public is left to speculate if it might not be Mr. Barry Obama himself. Back for round three. Where have you heard this before? This is uh, discussed in America under attack. Make sure you call our operators today for this wonderful book, an enlightening book, a book that really helps, helps for you to understand everything that's happening in the United States at this moment. It says here, Obama certainly always kept Joseph Biden on a tight leash, even going back to term one and term two. Now it's term three. And he certainly still lights up a crowd. It seems they know where the true seat of power lies. See, they know. They know. Everyone understands this. The media, the, the media chuckle along as K, KJP catches herself. Seven years, seven years after Obama left office, and still they're accidentally saying, well, you know, I talked to President Obama. Oops, oops, did I say that? Actually, President Biden. I talked to him earlier in the day. This is a woman who works in Biden's White House. It's pretty amazing. One last bit from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about this Emily Kors. We played clips from her the other day. She's the, the jury for woman who led up this jury. She's, you know, excitedly anticipating all kinds of indictments to come out from her investigation. Well, there have to be indictments because, you know, it took her a lot of time to serve on that jury, that grand jury. It used to be you didn't know the faces of the grand jury. Now, here's a face. I mean, if ever there was a face for the grand jury, here it is. She's a witch. She's in the Wicca movement. The witch says Donald Trump should be in prison. The witch is fine. She's complaining. I mean, she's got everything, everything stable mentally for her. But she knows. The witch knows Donald Trump should be in prison. Why? Well, because Donald Trump is, he's what's wrong with everything in the world. He's the cause. She, I mean, the way she thinks, it's the same way Joe Scarborough thinks. These people, my wife brought this up to me when I got home the other day after playing her clips. She said, it's just like she gave her mind over to the spirit world. And that's true. These people are influenced heavily by the devil, by Satan's broadcast. The whole world is. It's not just her. Ephesians 2 and verse 2, it says, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. This uh, article says, Emily Coors also spoke extensively about the witnesses who appeared before the grand jury. She said the, the late Georgia House Speaker, David Railston, cracked her up. She said uh, she swore him in holding a Ninja Turtle popsicle she had received at an ice cream party uh, thrown by the DA's office. A, a Ninja Turtle popsicle? Is, is this for real? 
Are we going to take this serious? She's the poster, the, the new poster child for Get Trump, the Get Trump movement? That's right. That's right. And look at what they themselves are engaged in. I told Sam, we need a, we need a montage rundown of all these, these witnesses that have come, the whistleblowers that have come forward to get Trump, whether it's during the impeachment proceedings, the sham investigations, this one here with the grand jury in Georgia. Look at these people. Look at Peter Strzok when he smirks during the testimony before the House committee. These people, Vindeman, the, the clavicles lady, bring them all together. Let's, let's investigate their lives just a little bit and see what they're in, involved in. You look into Emily Kors just a little bit on social media. You find out that she, she loves witchcraft. She loves witchcraft. Jeremiah 5 Verse 26 says, For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. It says, Therefore they are becoming great and waxen rich. Verse 28 says, They are waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause. It says, The cause of the fatherless yet they prosper, and the right of the needy do they not judge. Verse 31 says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. It says, And my people love to have it so. You see, we just love, we love the witches, all oh, the LGBTQ+. You heard KJP just bragging. Yeah, first time this committee here. This, this agency, all women, uh, all people of the LGBTQ+, plus, uh, they, they declare their sin as Sodom. That's Isaiah 3. We're proud of it. We're proud of it. It's historic. There's, there's never been anything like it. The sins of Sodom. I mean, we're winning awards for this sinful depravity that's all around us. Hooray! They cheer for themselves. They, they break their arms practically, patting themselves on the back. We did everything right. We did everything perfect. God has another opinion. God has another view. God sees, as Jeremiah 5 points out, he sees these, these homes full of deceit. He sees the lying. He sees the cheating. And he also sees the suffering, the affliction. He sees those who are afflicted. And there is a solution. There is a solution to all of this. And it's not in some man. As much as we'll try to set the record straight or defend Donald Trump to a point, no man is going to save America from this bitter, bitter affliction. Only God. Only God can do that. Thank God for the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Thank God for, for the government of God. Thank God for his truth, for the sure word of Bible prophecy. Yesterday I talked about mastering the self, becoming a master at self-control. How crucial is that to attaining success in life? Learning to control 
the mind and the body. 1 Corinthians 6 says that we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit or in our mind as well. God, God sees us as instruments in his hand, true Christians. Romans 6 brings that out. Study that chapter sometime. And uh, yet it's so easy for those instruments to turn into instruments of evil, of filthy things. But as we yield to God and to his lead, his spirit, as we wield the will, as I read to you yesterday from our latest royal vision, then God really can use us as his instruments to further his purpose, to dispense with his knowledge, his truth. Notice this in Galatians 5, verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. I mean, you read witchcraft in the scriptures and you think, well, at least there's one thing that we're kind of beyond, you know, 2,000 years on from when this was written. When, when, God, when God inspired Paul to write this, I, I guess Paul, maybe he encountered some, you know, some weird witchcraft type behavior in Galatia somewhere. But today, I mean, we're so sophisticated. We've advanced. We've progressed. And here you've got this 30-something woman heading up a jury, attacking Donald Trump, openly, openly, openly praising witchcraft. And it's not a joke. She's completely serious. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It says here, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These lifestyles listed off here in Galatians 5, you can find another similar list in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. These lifestyles, they're not going to be in God's kingdom. Paul says it there plainly at the end of that verse. I've told you this. I've told you this before. People who live this way, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Sorry. Maybe some of you would prefer that I come to you with smooth things to just tell you that God is gay, God is trans, God is this, God is all these things. But I've got to tell you the truth. I've got to give you the truth of God. This is what God inspired and Paul said to Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration from God. It's inspired by God. And what does Paul say there at the end of verse 21? People that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it continues. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, it says there. Against such there is no law. Webster's defines temperance as moderation in action, thought, or feeling. It says restraint, restraint. The Moffat translation, it, it translates it self-control. We need self-control in two directions, as I said yesterday. We need to restrain evil impulses. 
We need to resist against the influence of the devil, but we also need to propel ourselves forward in the direction of God, to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 16. Maybe it's 14. As many as are led by the Spirit, we need to follow God's lead. We need to follow in the steps of Christ. And that, that means we need to be self-controlled. We need discipline. We need temperance. We need moderation in all things. So many extremes in the world today. As we go from one wild extreme to, to another, people just out of control like little children. Isaiah 3, it prophesies that we're to be ruled by children, just a, a childish mentality. That's what it means in that chapter. And you see it, you see it every day. Verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. They've crucified the flesh. I mean, this is, they that are Christ, I mean, they have some self-control. They've crucified these fleshly lusts and pulls. Verse 25 says, if, you, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. Notice 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. This is the section of Scripture where Paul uh, talks or uses a sports analogy and says, look, we're in a, we're in a, a competitive uh, competition here. It says in verse 24, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? He says, So run that you might obtain. Run for the prize. Go, go for the victory. We're called in the Bible, we're called overcomers and, and conquerors. We're, we, we have to win. We can't be neutral. We can't, we can't look to get a draw. Paul says, run for the prize. Verse 25, let me read this in the Revised Standard. It says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. We do it to receive an imperishable wreath or crown or award. But every athlete is temperate in all things. That's what it says in the King James. RSV says, exercises self-control in all things. The word temperate there in the King James. Thayer says it means to be self-controlled or to exhibit self-government. Think about the proverb. I think it's Proverbs 25 where it says, the man that can't rule his own spirit. It, I mean, he's like a city without walls. There's no defenses. You're just leaving yourself wide open to the devil's influence. I mean, to get, a, and to get on a social media posting, to go on and on about witches and, you know, the demon spirits. You, I mean, this, is, this is fertile ground for demonic act activity, for sure. How many, how many people are opening their minds, even just with the kinds of movies they're watching, just opening their minds, opening the door for demonic influence? We just studied through Ephesians 5 and 6 this morning in class where Paul said there's certain sins that shouldn't even be named among us that we just don't even talk about. We just shun it entirely. That's the standard that God wants us to rise to. Just run from the evil. Run from the temptation like Joseph did. Sprinting away from Potiphar's wife. 
Here's an evil woman that tried to seduce him and then lied. Joseph ends up in prison. I mean, that's a house full of wickedness and deceit. Just like it says over in Jeremiah 5. And yet you can still be with God, even if you're in a jail cell. Paul was. Paul was in jail and he wrote the book of Ephesians. And he said, look, I'm not a prisoner to some man. I'm a prisoner to Jesus Christ. What a perspective. To to view that trial, that test, that way, that's a godly perspective. Coming back to this analogy, Paul says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And then it says in verse 26, well, I do not run aimlessly, Paul says about himself. I do not box as one beating the air, but I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, look, I'm not just swinging randomly at the air. I'm hitting the target. I'm making contact with the enemy. I'm in a life and death struggle. And I'm going to go out fighting for sure. And he did. But he says, I pummel my body and subdue it. We've got to crucify that old man. We've got to crucify the works of the flesh. And that takes some pummeling. (laughs) We've got to pummel our body. It's going to take some some self-control. Ben Franklin talked about this virtue in his autobiography. He he knew. He knew that he had to acquire a certain amount of self-control if he was going to make anything of his life. Franklin said, Bad habits must be broken and good ones acquired and established before we can have any dependence on a steady, uniform rectitude of conduct. Got to eliminate the bad habits, and we've got to acquire or establish the good ones. Temperance, temperance. This is, this is the very first virtue that Franklin wanted to acquire. We've talked before about the importance of courage. How important is temperance and self-control? Well, as I say, you can study quite a few Proverbs. You can study Galatians 5. You can study other sections that we got into yesterday. There's a lot, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject, and maybe we can continue on with this study next week. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show. We appreciate you joining us all week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>